Hey, I'm Ryan. Someone said you look like Chris Elliott on YouTube today. A lot of people say I look like Apparently Chris, Chris Elliott. Apparently Chris Elliott was on Everyone Loves Raymond. And I'm Steve, and you're listening to 60 Cycle Hum, the guitar, buying, selling, trading, modding, fixing, breaking, reviewing, playing, making fun of Ryan for looking like Chris Elliott podcast. I thought for sure we were going to do a, a new take of the intro. I didn't no. know you were going to pull that trick on me, Steve. It wasn't a trick. That I'm just, dirty trick. I'm just that good at this. Good job, Steve. Yeah. Cheers, internet. Cheers, internet. What are we cheersing to? Uh, we are cheersing to five years of 60 Cycle Hum, the guitar podcast. Uh, that's right. If you take the number 260 and you divide it by 52, which is how many episodes there are in a year. Correct. Uh, you get five years. Yeah. So that's where we are. Uh, did we start recording in January? I guess. So I Or figured- was it like – I know, I know the, the dates move. We're in February now, technically. We're in February, so I think so we, that makes sense. we may have started recording in like at the end of January, um, two thousand. So we've been pushed back like five days 14, or something, like that. something like that. Um, but uh, five years, Steve. Yeah, I was figuring that out because I was, I've still been trying to figure out how we just went to our fifth NAM, and I realized it's because it's fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, and nineteen. But we actually started recording in two thousand fourteen, right? But we had, I guess, we'd been doing it about a year. Yeah, yeah. So we, had, I think but we were so green at our first NAM. Oh like, yeah. Well, it's it a was different a, experience. It was a joke. Like we thought, kind it, of like nine one one. We thought it was. We thought it was still a joke that we were doing this at all. Let alone that they were letting us go to NAM. Right. And here we are now, five years later, industry professionals. And it's still a joke. It's still a big old joke. We're the ones laughing, and everyone else doesn't get it. Maybe. I mean, I don't know. It's man. a joke that makes us some money and gets us a wall of gear behind yeah, us. <laughs> yeah. My voice is still trashed, by the way, from Nam. I don't know if you it's, can tell. It sounds all right. It sounds all right, except voice. for like at the end of sentences, it sounds like you're giving up. Oh, I've been giving up at the beginning of sentences. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm using every bit of strength I have right now to hold words together. Uh, so anyway, since we've hit the five-year mark and we've had some big changes on the show in the past year really even half a year that we've moved to doing uh, video episodes yeah. full time. And we have a new audience that's been growing rapidly for Welcome. Uh, the podcast episodes on YouTube, where before the vast majority of our audience for the episodes was, you know, on podcast feeds. Mm-hmm. Um, what I'm going to try to do for the next couple of weeks, maybe months, if I like doing it, if there's a good response is I'm going to dig back through our archives oh, right. and uh, do excerpts of like classic moments of the show right from previous years like i want to go all the way back from the first year and then work my way forward there's a guy who calls in every time we mention it and i think you probably need to go through some of those google voice mails i i read him today um, i forget i'm not sure what his name is because i don't actually listen to him. i just read the transcripts which is probably bad form um, the, the transcripts are good, now. but but he's hit some like classic ones. Like I think he just hit like the one where what, you were what, drunk and my, talking about the Confederate flag. Yeah, that that is definitely in the top. That's not all time. That's a greatest hit. So, anyways, uh, if you're a longtime listener of the show and you have uh, classic moments from our history that you want us to revisit for the YouTube audience, uh, comment on this video or on the Facebook group. Tell us what I should be looking for. I'm hoping that I can find uh, like JPEGs of the ads that we hit that far back. I know. It might be pretty rough. I, I know I was able to find – like we have them actually archived 
back to like if I can search like episode number on Facebook, I can cross my fingers and maybe find our original post. Yeah, that's going to be where it's where it gets tricky because original for like the first 50 or 60 episodes, I think you were just posting them on Instagram and then linking them that into the group. Or like you would post on Instagram and No, post I think to the I was group. posting them directly into the group. Um and then later was uh like not shortly after that was when I just started putting everything on Imgur. Imgur. So yeah, we'll we'll see how that goes. Hopefully, uh, it's entertaining and actually I can actually pull it off, you know, because it might be a lot of homework uh, to find that information. Are no, and maybe it might be me, you know, taking a trip down memory lane, listening to old episodes, and hearing how far we've come. We really just need to do the. Uh... I want to find the one where we call the guy. Oh yeah, we we found an ad that was so wild, and it had a phone number in it that we called the guy. This is when we very, very first started. Yeah. Probably like episode four or something stupid like that. You think it was that early? Yeah, it was really early. I'm sure that one would be... You could probably search that one. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, we should do something with that, and then we should probably try to reserve a few of those and do, like, reserve a few excerpts that we just do, like, a react. Oh, yeah. Like a react clip. We can't call it a react though. Where we watch ourselves because we'll listening get, to we'll ourselves. Get, we'll get sued by uh we'll get sued by the We'll call it reaction by the brothers. Reaction the brothers videos. that are not just good. They're yeah. all right, brothers. Yeah. I think you can like mention the name of their channel and not get sued. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I like their channel. I still watch it. Didn't you run into one of those guys? Uh, yeah. Name? Yeah, one of their panelists. So this episode, we're gonna we're not gonna do a normal episode. We're gonna do a Nam recap where we go through our uh, our favorite and least favorite things and interesting things from Nam. Uh, we made some bullet points. We're gonna try to have a structure to the show, ha! not not like the last episode we did with the Gear Slum that uh, we definitely slummed it so hard. <laughs> Afterwards, I, in the middle of it, I went and took a nap. We slammed we slummed it so hard that they didn't have to. I don't know. <laughs> But the, uh, the second part of that episode is up on their feed if you want to go listen to the continuation I, I, of that nonsense. I will say. Here we go. He's um, going to say it. I listened to that one since I don't remember most like You most were asleep. No, I mean I listened to hours. Oh, okay. And I was like – I looked down and I'm like I'm 45 minutes in and I was still awake. Wow. You passed out right on the the edge of the episodes. Yeah. Like when you came back from the bathroom – and we and we commented that you were acting drunk. Like, I think you had like ten minutes left after that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like something you you went to the bathroom, you got something off your chest or something. I was just worn so out. You took a load off and you sat down, and your body's like it's it's night night time. That was a long day. That was the second recording marathon I was involved in already that day, and a long day, Steve. Long says. day. Long, I was sleeping. Very long day. I was sleeping three and four hour nights at Nam. Doing doing work. Steve. I had some gastrointestinal issues at Nam that oh. also re- involved only actually getting like four four broken hours of sleep. All right, Steve got Namaria. I mean, <laughs> does, that, does that go on my worst of Nam? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe you enjoyed it. It might be your best, definitely or it might did, be interesting. Definitely did not enjoy it, and it was not interesting. <laughs> it was boring diarrhea. What? So what's on, what's on the, the top of your list for best of Nam, Steve? Um, best of Nam, best of Nam. Um, and we're gonna we're gonna stick to the gear this year. 
we're not going to like wax poetic about hanging out with all our buddies and having fun at all the great after parties that we go to every year because that's not what people want to hear us talk about. They want to hear well, those people. Gear. Those people want to hear us talk about them. Yeah, the people that were there already know about it because they were there with us. Um, it, was a, it was a great time, guys. Don't worry about it. I will say I will lead with this best of. Um, after already being disappointed on Thursday from one large manufacturer's booth, which we will get to in our worst of, um, I went to another large manufacturer's booth and was actually impressed with their, we'll call it a return to form. Oh. And I'm talking about the Gibson booth at NAM. I'll say that their booth. And we, should, we at, shouldn't call it a booth. It's a ballroom. It's a ballroom, but there is actually, it was smaller this year than previous years. I feel, feel like it was bigger than last year though usually they have it uh pushed up to that front doorway they had it pushed back into the ballroom where maybe it was in a different room i can't remember but it yeah, was the, the actual room was smaller this year sure but, but like half the room was like a concert hall we're talking about gibson yeah did we say that already yes okay um I'm going to say that this year How drunk was are you? by far, not at all, by far the best Gibson booth I've seen in five years of going to NAMM. Like it had been like a steady decline for yeah. like three I, years. I think, they didn't come last year. And then this year they it just completely turned around. It was. Wait, were they not there at all last year? They were not there at all then last maybe year. Maybe it's two years ago I'm thinking of where it was basically. Uh, it was sad. It was like just like the Gibson booth was actually more like the Tascam booth. Yeah, they were trying to push all their side brands and yeah, stuff. Yeah, so it was like all KRK and Tascam and all that stuff. Yeah, this this year it was like Gibson only. I don't. Yeah. I was only in there for like 15, 20 minutes. I don't think I even saw Epiphone stuff in there. I wasn't even in there for that long. Um, they had a killer band playing hmm. when I was in there. They had this like spaghetti western, like surfy, like instrumental early rock and roll sort of vibe going on like almost like this uh this bakersfield country kind of edge to it too oh cool. i need to figure out what band that was because they were awesome they had the, the like the booth the the ballroom had a giant stage in the middle like a proper stage yeah a real stage yeah and surrounding it was just tables and wall area just holding like top shelf Gibson stuff like them just showing off like this is the good stuff like this is and not like freaky weird stuff it's like these are the exact guitars that Gibson fans want to buy Mm -hmm. it was just a complete I don't want to say it's a return to form because I've never seen them at that form right it was a complete delivery of what people in their mind fantasize about when they think when they fantasize about Gibson I thought their um, their guitar, like their actual instrument setup, they've done that setup before. They, I think they did that like three or four years ago with like the long rows and a bunch of guitars and like some amps in between. They've done that before. But the the presentation was different. The lighting was different. The, the lighting and all like, that. Yeah. When they did it in the, the past, it was just white lights. The actual groupings of guitars was different. Sure. We're like, they have those, the, the booths, the lineups from previous years at our guitar center now. Right. Where it's like, oh, here's 12 guitars from various different lines, very different colors. This mm-hmm. was like, here's 20 Les Pauls in 20 different, like, flame finishes. Right. All in a row. And they just look spectacular. Well, it's like they kind of had, like, every 
I felt like they had one of every single model from yeah. the last couple of years. So the like when I actually sat down and played one of them, I played the um, uh, yeah the Chris I think the Chris Cornell signature ES three thirty five. Okay. Um. So that's a it's like a gun. It's like a gun smoke or like not gun smoke gun metal gray mm-hmm. olive drab green kind of a thing going on with a Bigsby. Yeah. Like that's that guitar. I was talking to Sean Pierce Johnson about it. Mm-hmm. And he's a big Gibson fanboy. He yeah, loves yeah. Gibson stuff. And he said that the quality control and the fit and finish of the guitars that they had in the booth is the best he's seen. Wow. From Gibson. So they're they came with their A game. It's just is just what it comes down to. Yeah. And they it was a hard, hard focus on Gibson as a brand, not on any other properties they own. Right, not on Epiphone, which is fine. Oh, you know they did have like a Kramer booth, so I bet there was. Yeah, they so had. They, I bet they did have some Epiphone when, hiding when around. When I was there, the guy who was, but it was per- like is small and in the back. Yeah, the know? performer when I was there was like some metal shred shreddy guy playing a Kramer. I wonder. Uh, and if- I couldn't even actually see the guitar. I just know like, I it was one of those banana headstock. Kramers, right, right. You know. I like the Kramer look if they can bring it back in a strong way. Like yeah. they made it like their garbage brand for so long. Mm-hmm. Just like I don't even know who, who who they were trying to sell them to. They were on Music Yo right. for like twenty right. years now or something like that. Ever since I was a kid, they've been on there and they haven't done anything interesting with Kramer. Now's the time. Like people are getting into super strats and Floydy stuff again. Now's the time to make Kramer shine. Mm-hmm. So maybe they'll do that. They had a couple interesting finishes. They had that like a aqua on black polka dot thing that looked pretty good. But yeah, I was super impressed. And uh, other people were telling me that just like even the the mood of the employees there mm. was worlds different. Like people were have like pep in their step and they were acting hopeful and they're acting excited about their own brand. And it was just... Like being in there was probably the most positive feeling experience I had in Nam. Like it felt like, like there was just this vibe to it. You know? Yeah, it was great. Maybe it was maybe it was me loving the music, but it's, it's the lighting, it's the presentation. I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's fantastic. No, I know what you mean. It, it was definitely like there was an, a definite energy overall in the room. Yeah, like, and I don't know how much of that. Again, you know, yeah, some of that's facilitated by light, the lighting and everything else. I didn't really just inter- a well planned booth. I didn't really interact with any of the employees. I didn't but- ever like there was a ton of people in there. There's a big stage in the middle. I didn't ever feel like I was trapped or like I was being rushed through yeah. or like crowded. And I could look at everything I wanted to look at. Like it was just really well done. Yeah. All right. What's uh, what do you have on your best list? Um, I have two other. Uh, I have two guitars. Okay. Two guitar companies that caught mm-hmm. my eye. Um. The first one, um, well, one of the mornings I came in super early because I woke up for some reason at like like 5 o'clock in the morning. Right. Took a shower. And I was like, I'm not going to sit around waiting for everyone else to wake up. I'm just going to drive to Nam. So I got there at like 6.30. I don't think on any given day I woke up before like 9 oh, dude. or like 8.30, 8.45. No, I, I was at Nam by 7 a.m. every day. Um, so I get there super early. 
who do I find walking around but Henning Polly? Right. He grabs me. He's, Wait, I thought we weren't going to talk about people we saw at Nam. I'm leading up to it. I'm leading up to it. He <laughs> grabs me. He starts taking me on this adventure of uh, of going and covering different guitar booths while there's no like there's nobody at Nam. It's just me and Henning and like the security guards. Like, what's it? Is that like a media pass thing? Like what it's you, an exhibitor pass. It's thing. An exhibitor pass. Well, who is he exhibiting for? He had technically he had sponsors from all sorts of companies, so we probably had like five different exhibitor badges. Oh, okay. Um, but we went to booths that no one was working at and just like we're picking up guitars and making videos about them and talking about oh, them. Oh, that's cool. We talked about like Ola's guitars, Ola England, yeah. uh, this other So company. these videos will be coming out in three months. Exactly. Um, and then we went to this booth where it's like you're, you're, the thing your eye first goes to is this, you know, pointy star, neon green and black, like cartoony looking heavy metal guitar with a Floyd on it. Mm. And so he's like, oh, Ryan, pick a guitar. And, uh, and we'll start working on this booth. So I pick up the pointy one. I'm looking at it, like making fun of it. And I put it back and, and he's like, Ryan, you got to see this. This is you. On the back side of the booth, there was this like semi-hollow, heavy, heavy metal flake green yeah. uh, guitar with a big speed with like – I can't even describe the shape. Like if if there was like an ES-335 in the Gumby universe – yeah, it's a little stretched out. It's a little That's stretched fair. out in weird ways. Uh, I don't know if you saw these in person, Steve. I did. Uh, the other thing about these guitars, and the, it, this carries over to a lot of the guitars in their line, you look at the edge of it, and it's literally like an inch and a half thin on the yeah. edge. It is the thinnest damn guitar I've ever seen in my life, and it's a semi-hollow. It flares out in the middle like a ravioli mm-hmm. to be a little bit thicker, but it's still only like two or three inches thick in the middle. Uh, it was one of their higher price guitars at sure. $800, I think. Penning and I were looking at the prices of their guitars. They have stuff in like the four and $500 range. And this stuff all played really nice. Most of it like rides like this, like Schecter-ish kind of aesthetic vibe to it. But that green one, uh, it's called the Imperial. I'll put up a shot of it here. Just smitten by it. I would. Is this a guitar? It looks like a guitar here in our hands. Um, I would 100% play that guitar just because it looks like the funky way I like guitars to look. Yeah. Um, there's a few elements to the aesthetics I, that I, I would change. I did see it. I didn't pull it down. That that body actually reminds me of um, – have you ever played a Hofner Very Thin? I think it's called a yeah, Very yeah. Thin. So it kind of reminded me of that, but it's like a – off like a twisted offset version of of the Hofner. This is very thin, right? That's what it's called. I think so. But anyway, it's like this brand called Diamond. Go check them out. Affordable stuff. All their stuff I picked up played really well. Like I said, kind of like kind of a Schecter kind of feel. Like how Schecters are, you know, they're budget friendly guitars, but they play really decently and they're yeah. like modern playable guitars. Right. Uh, these have a unique look to them. Most of them are leaning into that kind of metalish aggressive kind of look but that imperial man there's something like rat finky about it you know like put some pen striping on it mm. and a big old like eight ball on the end of the the big bigs we are and it's a cartoon guitar yeah in the best way possible i super want one <laughs> so i was pretty excited about that do you have uh any other gear you want to cover i as did best of? And I then, did. Uh, mine was and, too good. Uh, now you yours don't was do it. too good, and now I forgot what it was. Um, 
and it's going to haunt me. Harmony guitars? Harmony, you want to talk about Harmony? Harmony. Harmony uh, so last year, actually, I think even when we were talking about Nam stuff, we talked about the fact that it was on it was uh, on our list as like something that impressed us yeah, last year. That Band Lab um, is the I th- believe Band Lab is now the is the parent company, right? For uh, uh, mono. mono. A cakewalk? Are they cakewalk? Yeah, I think so. Heritage. Heritage guitars. Tysco. Yes. I said it correctly. Yes. Tysco and Harmony. Yes. So, so they're doing guitars with um they're doing guitars with Heritage and with Harmony. They're mm-hmm. doing amps with Harmony. Um did we say mono cases? Yes, we said all this already. Uh, and they're doing and they're doing effects with Tysco, and last year we were really excited about it. Uh, and then nothing happened, and so we we go to the well. I went to the booth. I went to the booth too. Uh, I went. To, I went, we went separately. I went and talked to uh, to the rep there for After a long time. We sat down on the couch and had a good old conversation. Um, so when I went there, it's like we're competing for for I Band think, Labs love. I think that they like me better, Steve. I mean, that's probably true. Yeah, I talked but to the mono guy too. But she told me that if there I wanted go. to, I could have like come and brought in a camera and some microphones and just sat in the Tysco booth and recorded an episode. And I said, well, Ryan's using all of that equipment in his she, booth, so she, I don't have it. She offered to me that if we ever want exhibitor passes and that we're not doing the, like the video booth that I did, that they'll hook us up. She told me that she was going to come to my birthday party. I feel like that's a lie because <laughs> she lives in Singapore. Uh, so but anyways... anyways um, they came out with prices for those those harmony guitars yeah. um, that we talked about last year. I they wouldn't tell us prices last year, and I was guessing that they felt like seventeen eight hundred eighteen hundred dollar guitars. Mm-hmm. They're going to be like twelve hundred. Yeah, I think I think uh, they said fourteen hundred for some of it. Be, so some of the basically with the harmony line, uh, their higher end stuff, which kind of is vaguely I you know I say for for like the people listening and watching like it's it resembles the like the Harmony Revstar series but that's be, or not the Harmony the Yamaha Revstar guitars sure. but I think that's more because like the Harmony Revstar guitars are just kind of more of a throwback to I said Harmony Revstar again anyway. yeah yeah um so those guitars are like I think like thirteen fourteen hundred something like that. They're made in the United States. That's oh, you're talking we about like the double cut and the single cut. Yeah, I'm talking about the offset one. I thought the offset stuff was being made like in Korea. No, no, I'm talking about the the, the like the champagne colored ones with like a modern look to it. Those, oh, those right, are going right. to be like twelve hundred thirteen hundred dollars or something like that. My point is that they're not going to be seventeen eighteen hundred dollars right. like. I thought they were going to be based on how well they played last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're they're going to be U.S. made that line of them. Yeah, um, and they had like a mini guitar too that was very charming. Mm. Um, a U.S. factory made guitar for you know twelve hundred thirteen hundred dollars. I mean they're they're competing with Fender at those prices. Yeah, and they play fantastic. They're just really wonderful feeling guitars. Um, they are going to have, and they had the prototypes there. They're going to have a, a Korean line that are like much closer reproductions of the aesthetic of, of the older ones, original Harmony slash yeah, Silver like Tony Bobcat, and yeah, yeah. Like that. It's not called. It's called the Silhouette, right? The Bobcat right. is the Silver Tone version okay. of it. Uh, those companies were all making guitars for each other, or were parent companies of each other back in the day. Now, who I don't know who owns Silver Tone now, but. 
everyone owns different licenses to these companies yeah. that basically have the same model guitar. Um, but I'm going to say that their version of the Silhouette slash Bobcat, whatever other model it came under, mm-hmm. is the best reproduction as far as being visually accurate, like resonant accurate to like a vintage model, but then playing like a modern guitar. Like right. you can pick up this guitar and you can gig with it because it's a good feeling playing guitar. I have no idea what they're going to price those at. She wouldn't tell me, but they're going to be Korean. Yeah. So they're going to be sub a, a grand. You they're, would expect, yeah. I would be. expect them to be no more than 900. Right. Are, I, they, are, I, they, are they going to be Korean? They are going to be Korean. Okay. And then they have the semi-hollow one too, which felt really great. Yeah. It, it might have been full hollow. I wasn't able to look all the way in there and figure it out, and I didn't ask. Well, do you remember what kind of bridge it had? It had that wood, the same wood bridge. So uh, typically wood bridge, so it's trapeze strung. Yeah. So it's probably full hollow then. But the uh, the uh, the silhouette had the wood bridge too. Oh, interesting. And that is definitely a solid body guitar. I remember. So it's either semi hollow about... or full hollow, but all the guitars they had at the booth played excellent. I plugged into the amps. The amps sounded great. Uh, I was talking to Jay Leonard Jay about him because he played a a thing there. Yeah. He favors the uh, the semi cut and the double cut uh, harmony guitars that have the full size humbucker. He seemed to think mm. that sounded better. I like the sound and I like the look of the offset uh, silhouette with the mini buckers. Right. Um, I'm a different player than Jalen OJ. I'll just say that. I'm totally fine. That's almost like you're being trying to be nice to yourself. Yeah, I am barely. <laughs> I am barely a guitar player compared to Jalen OJ. But I'm totally, you know me, I'm totally fine with different sounding pickups. Yeah. Brighter, twangier, you know, more eclectic into like a vintage direction. So mini buckers are no problem for me, but I could see him easily preferring a more standard humbucker style pickup. So that's my take on it. You have anything else? Uh, best of Nam that you uh, that you noticed? Um, I got to sit down at the Strandberg booth for a while. Oh, really? And, uh got to mess around with the, I believe it's called the Enduro neck, which is their trapezoidal neck. Oh yeah. Yeah. And, you were telling me that. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's got the, it's got the weird shape. It's like a square. It's like half an, yeah. half, well, half a hexagon. Yeah. And, but it's like, it's not even like half. I mean, I guess technically it's a hexagon. It's just not a, but then like so the, it's not like a symmetrical hexagon. The, the flat planes of the neck like shift as they go up and down the neck to accommodate your hand. Right. And they're exactly. different, they're that's different what, widths. That's what I mean. So it's not a symmetrical hexagon. It's like, it's, yeah. it's kind of like it's curving. And then on top of it, it's a, uh, um, it's a multi, uh, multi-scale fan. Fret, yeah. Yeah. Right. Super comfortable. So comfortable. Um, I got to play him at uh, at Toman. Oh, okay. And I couldn't believe like how quickly I adapt. I don't even can't even say adapted to it because it just felt natural from the get go. Yeah. So right now they are looking for um, brand ambassadors. Uh oh. And uh, one of the guys in our group sent me a link. He's like, he's like, you should actually talk. I did, he sent it while I was at Nam, and I think. Uh, I'm, Do you want to be a brand ambassador I think for I bass really or need for guitar? To, for bass. Okay. Uh, which means I really need to... Do some uh, bass videos? Do some bass videos. And, uh, well, I Something re- that we've never I, done I just need you. to like get good at bass. <laughs> um, you need to cover all your bases and get back to bass. And then uh, on 
then you know so i was thinking about that and then i watched a couple patrick hunter videos today and i was like oh he's very good i noticed that you hmm. made a comment on one of his I videos did. and he replied it's like oh, why is why is patrick hunter hitting us up patrick is a sweetheart i love patrick yeah yeah his channel's really taken off in the last last bit so yeah uh when you get someone yeah. playing bass and showing off bass effects and things like that and playing bass songs, there's bassists out there and they're going to watch that stuff. Yeah. And Patrick is just a great guy, so he deserves all the success in the world. Hi, Patrick. Um, you got anything else? I have one more thing, I think. Oh, no, I don't. I covered it. Diamond guitars and harmony guitars. All right. I can't think. Because I did so many pedal demos, I shot 60-something pedal demos. Mm-hmm. Pedals just kind of like flew over my head as far as like what was cool and what was new yeah. and what was amazing and things like that. Um, I can't even tell you like if any of it like blew my mind because I was just like in the thick of it. Right. Yeah. There was a lot of fun. Uh, there are a lot of like fun new pedals, but you know how many of those are. Uh, I didn't walk away or new I, or fun. You I know. didn't walk away from Nam going like, oh gosh, I really got to get that pedal. Right. You know, because there's just so much. Yeah. There was so much, and we'll, we'll cover that here uh, later on. So, do you want to hit the sponsors? Yeah. This episode sponsored by Sinusoid. Uh, Sinusoid. Pure, pure Audio Couture. Not only are they sponsoring the show, but they basically also sponsored us for a lot of stuff at NAMM. Oh, man. They fed us. They housed us. They transported us sometimes. Yeah. Well, they transported me, like, all the time. There are snuggle buddies. It, <laughs> Sinusoid took care of us at NAMM. And if there's any reason to support one of our sponsors, I mean, they might have an excellent product and amazing customer service like Sinusoid. I mean, they, they do have an excellent product, Ryan. But you should support them because they're supporting this show. This is my PBS pitch. Oh my gosh. Like, the sponsors make this possible in a lot of ways. We, we're at five years and we're going to continue on to six, seven, 17 years. We're on contract for. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, um, <laughs> uh, because, I mean, the reality of it is that this takes time. It takes resources. And uh, putting money in our pockets keeps us motivated. Anyway, enough of that schmoozing. Uh, Sinusoid Pro Audio Couture. If you have a cable idea that, like, you you go to their website and you go through what they offer and you say, hey, uh, this doesn't exactly do what I want. Uh, I need a quarter-inch TRS to XLR. For reasons that yeah. you, that you don't need to worry that about, that also plugs into the wall for some reason. Um, you know that's not going to be on their in their regular shop, but you can email them, email their custom shop, and say, "Here's this thing I want to do," and maybe they'll do it. They might do it for you. They might not. You know, we can't res- say what they the will right. for sure do or yeah. not do. But t- typically, I've heard people say, "I ha- I needed something custom." Science would take care. Yeah, you know, maybe it's a specific length. Maybe you want a pancake on one end and a, and a uh, standard uh, sliver on the other. Maybe you, want to conver- maybe you want to convert all the power cables in your house. I'm talking TV, Xbox, lamps, refrigerator. You want to convert them all to Sinusoid TechFlex. They'll take care of you. I don't know if they do lamp cord. They definitely do fridge cord, though. All right, Sinusoid Pro Audio Couture. They make cables. And smiles. This episode's also brought to you by Gun Street Wiring Shop. We actually Bang. got to hang out with uh, Sean Arbo, too. I got a shirt. Yeah, I was not expecting new, him new to shirt. be there. I was pleasantly surprised to get to meet Sean. Yeah, he's working with a lot of different podcasts. He was hanging out with, uh, well, with everyone. And anyway, uh, 
Gun Street, they uh, they make these wiring kits that yeah. are super easy to install. The prices are great. Basically, um, and they'll come up with custom stuff for you. If they you, will come up with custom. You stuff. have That's a right. problem you want to solve. Uh, he's working on with me right now on my pickup switching guitar uh, to solve problems with that. Yeah, uh, or you just want something completely out of the ordinary, something you've never messed around with before. Coil splitting, mm-hmm. out of phase stuff, weird blending knobs and stuff like that. Talk to him. He's going to help you out. He's going to help you figure out like some sort of new crazy thing for your guitar to rekindle your love affair with that instrument. Yeah, GunStreetWiringShop.com. They make wiring harnesses. And smiles. <laughs> All right, moving on with the episode. Uh, we got uh, the worst of Nam. Okay. Um, What's your worst, Steve? Give me your worst. You already know what this is going to be, right? I bet I was the worst of Nam for a lot of people just because I dumped 60 videos in three days. Uh, we lost a lot of YouTube subs. Something like 170 subscribers jumped yeah, off YouTube. Yeah, in like three days. Yeah. Yeah, like <laughs> we, we made a lot of – like we're net positive for that period. I knew it was going to happen. Barely. If I was subscribed to a YouTube channel – and they dumped 60 videos in a day, I would unsubscribe too. Well, the thing is, is some of those people... So thanks to everyone who stuck around. Some of those people, like, they had notifications turned on. So not only are they getting, you know, they go to their... I bet it's more damaging to the channel that people didn't unsubscribe, but then they turned off notifications. No, because the thing is, is notification... So I don't I don't know how... Let's not get into the meat grinder of right. this too much. Anyway, my worst of Nam is the Fender Room. Oh, um, so Flipsy's this year. Fender didn't yeah, impress, so, and Gibson did. So um, in contrast to Gibson, where basically like you could touch anything, it was there. It on was the floor. there. There yeah. were, I mean, there were some guitars that were like in, you know, plexi cases that obviously you weren't supposed to touch. But pretty much like, but you still you touched could, them. <laughs> I, touched, <laughs> I touched the plexi. I had my my uh, he, Star Trek moment. He he. Pulled his shirt up and put his nipples against it. False. Um, the the Fender it. booth was, or the Fender room was different. And actually, I uploaded those videos. I don't know if you had a chance to look at them at all because I didn't Did tell you. Did you put them on our YouTube? No, I put them on, uh, I just, because they need to be spliced together. Okay. Because it's like B-roll. Oh, and did then you put them in our drive or they're something? They're in the drive. I just oh, forgot okay. to tell you. I don't know if, it, I hope it's usable. Thanks. I, regardless, thanks RJ for, for helping me out that. I'll check them out and I'll see if uh, I can make R- them work. RJ from Teletalks. Uh, I'm sure the B-roll's good. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how usable my talking is because I'm kind of really mean to Fender. Um, the room was okay. They did have a couple products that I think look really cool. The 66, which is like a jazz master neck, I think, on a jazz bass a shrunken jazz bass body. It's a double jazz guitar. That's that was really cool. That that thing was. I didn't see. I I buzzed through the Fender booth in like fifteen minutes, and I didn't right. get to like really stop and look at everything. But I saw pictures of that thing, and there have been ads that we've covered on this show that were that like people yeah people yeah. putting strat necks on jazz bass bodies and stuff well like that. so last year they had the parallel universe guitars and this year it's the alternate reality guitars right um so they also had a uh tenor tenor guitar telecaster yeah that thing so was that's great. cool um but those were things where you had to like find a fender employee be like oh i want to touch that mm. can you open the case for me like what's the deal with that yeah the spot where they were last year they had the uh 
the parallel universe stuff, they just had all the acoustasonics. Right. That and so wall. um and really the acoustasonics that was their focus this year. Those were the guitars that like they wanted you to touch. Yeah. Half of the Did guitar- you touch them? Stop. Half of the guitars in the room were behind velvet rope because they were all custom shop. Oh yeah. Well that was it was the same last year. Like that I don't remember they being, always have that gallery of like here's like the but crazy this was custom like art guitars. An entire long side. Mm, maybe I didn't see it. I don't remember it being that bad in previous years. Here's what I did at the Fender booth. Because in previous years I think that long wall was all squire. At the Fender booth, I beelined to the Squire area, mm-hmm. and I talked to the person there who was the product rep for Squire for a long time, mm-hmm. and basically begged for stuff to to demo and then return. Right. Uh, we'll see. I got his card. Um, cool. Because I want to cover all that Squire stuff because it looks really good. I I want to try out the Mustang. I want to try out the Jaguar. I want to I want to try out that stuff. Yeah. Um. I then beelined to the pedal booth that they had where you could not try stuff for yourself. They had the pedal board out with the new pedals and then a rep would plug in and and try stuff. There was some dude there who was like trying to ask about the boost or something stupid. (laughs) And the, the new reverb is sitting there right next to it. And I'm looking at my clock. I have to get back to my booth. Yeah. Like in 10 minutes. I was like, excuse me, can I? Can I hear that? Can I hear that right now, please? I, I just want to hear that right now. And the guy was like, okay. And then the rep like plugged it in and he started up and it's the, the tree verb, right. which has a 63 reverb setting on it, which to me is language. Is it pronounced tree verb? Because tray it's, verb? Because it's tre- a tremolo. Tre- so it's tre- the treverb. Oh, yeah. Treverb. I didn't know why it was called that. Treverb. Um, I didn't make the connection. Thank you, Steve. Um, How you like me now? And so first he was trying to show off the tremolo side of it. I was like, no, 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 no. I want to hear this one setting on here. Right. I need to hear if it drips or not. Like, does it drip? And I like started to explain to the guys like, listen, I'm, I've got a YouTube channel. I do drip, like drippy reverb stuff. And he was like, I know. I was like, oh, great. Now he's going to know that I'm an a-hole. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so he starts to mess around with it. He's not playing surfy at all. I get frustrated. I'm like, can, can I, can I? Can I do this? And he was like, okay, here you go. Here's the guitar. I was the most obnoxious I've ever been at any booth, at any NAM, like in this interaction. And so I'm holding the guitar. I'm palm muting. I'm doing surfy little licks and stuff like that. Uh, there's two Princeton reverbs that the board is plugged into on either side of the booth. And I have to walk over and put my ear down to it to like try to figure out what I'm actually hearing. Yeah. Because it just sounded really muddy and really dark. And if there was a drip, it was really hidden. And I twisted some knobs. I tried to figure out what was going on. I didn't have the time to sit there and play with it. I already felt bad for being an a-hole at the booth. <laughs> and I just kind of walked away. But my my initial impression from about a minute of messing around with it is that it does not deliver. No. Yeah. I The, the tremolo side of it for the, the half minute that I was subjected to it sounded fine. Uh-huh. I'm sure the other reverb settings sound fine. But... The side that's trying to sound like a drippy reverb didn't drip. Didn't if there, like I said, if there was drip, it was hidden underneath this kind of muddy wash, right. which is not what that should sound like at all. And then my final thing I did at the Fender booth is I ran over and I picked up uh, one of the Acoustasonics for about two or three yeah. minutes. Yeah, you know what I think about that. Are you ready to fight about the Acoustasonic? Hated it. I 
had a wonderful little experience in my three minutes. I played two of them, and I hated both of them. I played the American flag one. I did not hate it because it was the American flag one. I played the. I hated it because I did not think it was a good guitar. I didn't even see the American flag one. I played the purple one. It was purple. Maybe that's what I needed to play. You need to play the purple one, Steve. Obviously, um, yeah, I picked it up. I think they look kind of ugly, but also kind of like unique in a fun way. I thought aesthetically they're fine. I just thought the one that I picked they're up fine or they're fine. <laughs> they're like, damn. <laughs> um, no, I just thought aesthetically they're like uh, they're just not my style. They're they're they. I thought they 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 were okay. Like you know what they look like? They look like those moniker guitars. Yeah, the, the, yeah, that one that I demoed. Well, you know, they're kind of going similar for, construction. They're kind of going for the construction style that um, that Taylor is doing, and I don't know who else is doing it, but Taylor's doing that uh, round off. Yeah, uh, that um, top contour on all their acoustic, or not yeah, all yeah. their acoustics, but on a lot of their like acoustics their premium now. acoustics have the arm. Yeah, cut. yeah. So it's kind of that thing. Um, I just the one, the two that I played, I thought they. Felt a little clunky. I thought they could have been faster. Hmm. Uh, I thought they could have played faster. The one I picked and, up was, uh, uh, was Lickety Split. And I just thought they sounded like plastic. I don't know. The one that I picked up felt light and resonant and cheerful. And I was having a wonderful time just kind of ripping up and down the neck. Maybe. I I mean, it's possible that like the There's ones I played were, that were not great. But for, you know, I think they're hitting the market at $2,000. Yeah. Um, That's steep. For, two, for, for kind of what, I mean, for lack of a better term, is a novelty guitar. Sure, sure. Well, the idea is, you know, it's, it's you know, the market for that is... It's a novelty concept. Is, uh, you know, the singer-songwriter... Not singer-songwriter, the really, like... But I don't mean a joke concept. I mean, like, here's a novel thing. Right. It's like, it's it's its own kind of concept. You're like, there's not another guitar you're going to go buy that does I think the exact it, I same think thing. it will be a short run. I think it will probably have a lot of people who love it and a lot of people... Who I, I mean, I, it sounds like I'm taking like a lot of sides, but it's going to be. I think it's going to be a short run, one or two years. Um, and I think like there will be some people who absolutely love them, and a lot of people who are like, "This is nonsense," or have a similar experience to me where they just, it just doesn't didn't sound good to me. I could see myself not purchasing one because that's way outside my budget, obviously. But I could see myself like playing one regularly as a worship leader right as an acoustic singer songwriter i felt like it did not um i felt like it wasn't any more resonant than like a good hollow body i guess it's a smaller well, body sure. than a hollow body it's not gonna um, be it's not gonna be more resonant than like a regular acoustic guitar. right but what i mean is it's like it's it's in that i felt like it was in that vein of jack of all trades master of none where it's sure. like it's Whereas, like, when Taylor did the T5 hybrids, they were actually, like, good playing guitars. They were just weird. Right. I felt like this was just weird. Okay. And I didn't plug it in. Maybe it sounded great plugged in. I don't know. So maybe the takeaway here is don't order one online. Go try one in a store and find the one that plays yeah. right for you. Because yeah. maybe I, there's some sort of setup variant. I'm open to the idea that, like, other people love them and that they will I mean, do well. I think, I think they're the kind of guitar that is going to develop a a cult 
occult type following. Well, I was talking to some Fender people um, at one of the parties. I knew I would. I, I oh, promise I wouldn't talk about this. But uh, but they were saying that already they're they're filling orders. No, oh, no, I know like a lot of orders on this guitar. So there's people related to that. What I also people out there that want them. One of the things I learned is that um, in the United States we have MAP, but only in the like that's not a thing outside of the United States. Sure, which I didn't know. So it's actually problematic in like Europe because companies will just decide they don't want something anymore. Well, first of all, they get something and then they just they play it and they go, ah, we you know the MSRP's two thousand dollars. We paid, you know, twelve hundred dollars for it. Ah, this really isn't that good. We'll just sell it for thirteen hundred. Damn! But so they're they like, sell, out, but they're huh? like selling in the U.S. for like for like for a map price, like yeah, yeah. nineteen hundred or whatever. Well, I think stores here do that, but they do it on the down low. Yeah, yeah. They do it, like if you're in store, they'll be like, sure. Hey, you want to you want to haggle? Right, but they don't list it in in, right. Europe, in Europe. They actually like list the prices. So Andertons could be like, hey. Come pick it up. Yeah, We're blowing if, them if out. Andertons wanted. Apparently, they could take like anything in their stock and just like corner the market on on those products. Right, that's crazy. I mean, they could do it long enough until every is brand that law, they do it to is it law here or is it just an, an agreement? Because it see, feels like it's just an agreement. Maybe here. it's just an agreement, but I guess that agreement isn't a thing in Europe. Like right. if you were to try to do that, they're just gonna be like. No, because like, here if you don't if you don't want our map, then they're just be like, "Well, you suck to work with. We're not going to work with you yeah, anymore." Bye. Yeah, it's not like they're gonna. I mean, if you have a contractual agreement, then they could sue or something like that. Right. But it's not like this guy broke map, and that's against the law. Sure, I doubt that's the situation. No, I, uh, there's experts and there's no, I don't think it's industry like, professionals who listen. Like, let us maybe know. it's not law in the sense of that, but it's like it's not a contractual. Sure. thing in Europe like no one really does it no one and is gonna fact, it, no one's ever gonna make that agreement it might even be something that's like considered like price Ta- fixing or mm. something so it's like anyway I, I don't quite remember the details but I gotcha. remember being an, an issue uh, what is your worst what do I have on my list here uh, I already mentioned the, the Treverb yeah um, I was noticing as I was buzzing around the last day of NAM, I was actually able to go check out some booths and I was spending some time around like the import booths. Uh, headless, like shreddy guitars have been a thing for a couple of years now. Uh-huh. Like the kids, the metal kids, the uh, the genty kids have, kids been, these days. have been all about those guitars. Bunch of Gen Zers. What do they know? And uh, I've noticed that all a lot of the import booths have like super cheap versions of that aesthetic now. Mm. And they all just like have a exactly the quality that you would expect for like a $150 guitar or something like that. Like super high action, just look crappy details when you get up close and stuff like that. And I'm wondering if we're about to get into this place in the guitar market where we've been there before. Right. Where like super strats were like a big deal. Uh, you know, the Kramers of the world and the Charvels of the world and things like that. And then every single import brand in the world started coming out with a super strap shape, super strap paint, super strap bridge. Uh, but, you know, they were cheap and they just played like import, like mm-hmm. like student strats. Mm-hmm. You know, are we about to hit that where people are buying these, you know, headless face hugger shaped 
guitars just for the look and the uh the playability doesn't matter anymore i mean i i think yes and no because the, because the, i think the only brands that can do that and survive are going to be the companies that yeah okay so it's like that's the kind of guitar that maybe you would think is going to be in a store for like 200 or 250 or whatever right but those companies that are manufacturing those are you know, probably willing to sell a, you a hundred of those at like fifty dollars a piece. Right. So the well, whole. I mean, I'm just talking about the the. I mentioned the the like the cheap Chinese import brands that are like trying to find uh, other manufacturers to OEM to. Yeah. At Nam, but at some point, like there could be you know like a Washburn equivalent to one of these headless, uh, you know, weird shaped guitars because yeah. that's the visual trend right now. Yeah. This the aesthetic trend. Like, do you think there is a market for guitars with that look that are 400 to $600 guitars? Sure. Like your mid, like your, your low mid ranges. I you- mean, I think there definitely isn't. And I mean, we can go back to one of my best, like Stramberg. I feel like the Stramberg stock is skyrocketing right now. Hmm. And so that creates an opportunity for like discount companies to come in. I mean, one of the guitars I think you posted a picture of it. Yeah, it was a straight like a it was like a angle for angle right. You it's know, a rip. copy of yeah. a Strandberg. So but that you're talking about the red one I posted on yeah. Instagram. That thing just had the highest sloppiest action like up close. It just looked awful. Well, and and that's where you get into like dangerous territory i think more so with that type of guitar than like with a traditional like strat copy or whatever is that headless guitars like there are a lot of moving parts yeah like it's a simpler design because it's like the the headstock you you are physically like screwing the string into place and then you've got this like fine tuner thing going on at the other end but you know you are um like though that's like a high like those tuners are like at least on the bass I played, like they're really heavy duty. Yeah. Like you can't cheapen you can't go cheap on that. It's like the licensed Floyd Rose. Right. Like if you go cheap on it, like that it's is a part be, that yeah. is definitely going to wear out over time. And it and, and it's gonna wear problems. out way faster than like the real thing. Sure. Because it's it's a high demand, high performance. Yeah piece of yeah. equipment that needs to you know it needs to take abuse in certain right. ways so i think comparing it well, to like the super like strat craze of like the 80s is is i think it is reasonable if a bridge like if one of those guitars doesn't have a, a tremolo on it it's not taking that much abuse it just needs to be able to get to tune i just were i just think like i see those guitars and my that style of guitar and my initial impression is like that's a high performance playing guitar right. that demands a certain price point and a very specific design. And the thought of it becoming a sub $600 guitar is really strange to me mm-hmm. because to me, like the aesthetic isn't the attractive part, the playability and the performance side of it is the attractive part. Right. But maybe that's, you know, people associate that look with a certain level of performance certain genres of music and yeah maybe we're, we're gonna see you know high school bands pulling out these you know budget versions of that look maybe strandberg will come up is that strandberg 
Uh, Strandberg, yeah. Yeah, I always worry that I'm messing up the name. Uh, maybe Strandberg will come out with their own budget line or something like that eventually. You know, like a factory produced, you know, mm-hmm. $800 guitar. Right. Who knows? I mean, I, I, I could see them doing it. I feel like someone, it might have been the same guy who sent me the thing about the about doing a uh, like a YouTube partnership thing with them. Um, was saying that they they have tried to um, find an import like a Korean company to build lower like a budget line for them, but the closest that they've been able to achieve is like um, is like a Reverend type of scenario. Well, right. even like actually not even as good as Reverend because the issue is I think all of Strandberg's hardware is proprietary. Yeah. So even if they, they have, would have to send plans for their hardware to some well, they, they, factory I, that will just, I like, believe the thing that I read is they've done it and the import companies can't reach the level of precision that oh, Strandberg okay. wants. Sure. So, but even then, if so they, it's send, like they can, send them the plans and they're going to moonlight those plans. Sure. 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 <laughs> when they're not making uh, the guitars they're supposed to be making. Uh, my other worst in NAM is just that I've had NAM Thrax for a week now. <laughs> it's, it's like NAM Thrax is whatever like gross sickness you pick up on the floor now. Yeah. And I was stuck at a booth where I was touching everything that everyone else was touching. And lots of people were coming up to me and shaking my hand. And uh, Did you get celebrities? I didn't. Get celebrity. No one, no one recognized me. No oh, one yeah, knows people, who I am. No, people know who I am because I'm on the I'm on the YouTube yeah, all the time. Yeah. But we've been getting you on the channel. I, I know. I'm sure people. No, I'm not complaining. Okay. I mean, the people who I needed to there was, know me knew me. There was one person who like, like, like I love I love listeners coming and finding us and being like, oh, I love the show. Uh-huh. Blah blah blah. Uh, there was one person who came up to me. And I was like, hey, can I take a picture with you? And I, I was like, yeah, of course. And then after he took the picture, he, like his conversation was like, oh, yeah, I'm trying to get all the YouTubers today. That guy posted his pictures this, on Instagram and tagged us. I saw him. I got this guy. I got this guy. I got Philip McKnight. I got that guy. Yeah. I got this guy. And it made me feel a little weird. It's like. Yeah, you're a you're a YouTube Pokemon, man. That yeah, dude's trying I guess to catch so. them all. He's catching them all. That uh, Like it didn't feel. Even though it, like that guy obviously loves youtubers as like guitar youtubers as mm-hmm. like a thing that he appreciates and that's awesome it something about it just felt a little weird yeah no you just want maybe that's me maybe that's fine maybe that's you're normal. like a little you're like a caged celebrity I guess so like you could not escape it he wasn't annoying or anything he is no you no yeah i mean like i said he tagged the post that he tagged us in um, we're tagged. Have you to find it. Tagged our Instagram channel in. Well, if you go to you know the one where you can see where people have tagged you, right? I think it's you, uh, Pete Thorne, and yeah. Dan and Mick, maybe hmm. from uh, that pedal show. All right. Do we want to hit the? Uh, I got one more worst. Okay. Okay. My other worst is me. <laughs> um, I was gonna I was gonna mention it, Steve, but I'm glad you brought it up. <laughs> um. Cold doing like cold calls at Nam is like is tricky. Like going to booths and like trying to do business. Yeah, and being like, "Hey, uh, I'm a YouTuber. You should give me stuff and then pay me to demo it." 
That's well, if you do weird. It like, if you do it like that, Steve. Well, so one thing is like this. I, in previous years, like I, when we would go to booths, people would be like, oh, yeah, glad you like the product. What do you do? And this year, I felt like there wasn't as much of like that. Like, oh, what do you do? Like, how did you get into NAM? kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. It was kind of weird. Um, and so I like I realized like how in the like numbers mode that I always am at NAM, where it's like you do the initial like you do you've always done kind of the initial pitch and then I'll come in with like numbers and be like this is what packaging looks like and then um so the little me- bit of inside baseball I know, right? here so the meetings that I had one scheduled meeting uh-huh. and that one was easy like because it was like they already knew you because it because it wasn't cold it was like yeah, I was yeah. walking in I was like I walked up to uh the person that I needed to talk to and um, actually, I went to that booth like 10 minutes early and I said, I'm supposed to meet with someone about doing some demo work for you guys, but I want to try out the product before I meet with them. So I have a feel for it. And I got a full walkthrough, like 10, 10, 15 minutes. Um, and then I met with the person and basically hung out with her for like, I don't know, 20, 30 minutes. And it was great. We went, we stayed at that booth, talked for a while. We went to another booth and talked. We talked about other things that weren't related to either of those booths. Um, and it was great. And I could like talk numbers and, and it was like very confident. Sure. Sure. But then like just going into like a rando booth and being like, Hey, I want to play your pedals, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> like it's really weird. Like it's, yeah, it's yeah. tricky. Yeah. So my Nam is me. My Nam worst was me. It sounds like it was pretty awful, Steve. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I ever go in and like thinking like I'm going to pitch. I just go in and I'm like, oh, this is interesting. Oh, here's my card. Here's what I do. And then see where it goes from there. You right. Know? Right. I'm just not very good at guitar. So. Right. Right. <laughs> that doesn't help. Oh, I see. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, you want to hit uh, our next two sponsors? Yeah. We're breaking uh, them up so that you, we don't have these big blocks of sponsors. This guys. week's sponsor. Well, another sponsor. I don't know how to frame this. There's so many. Um, is a Diderio. Diderio. They had a cool booth. They had their uh, like emergency repair kit. That I thing looks that. cool. So I was like, ooh, I, I kind of want that. Anyway, uh, this episode is not brought to you by their emergency repair kit. It's brought to you by Diderio XL strings. Uh, got my box got right some. here. Here you go. I, I never leave home without them. They're uh, always so in my pocket. They have nickel wound, pro steels, half rounds, pure nickel, chromes, and the EXP coated. That's a coated string. Uh, Ryan and I actually both use the the uh, EXL 110s. Oh, really? their ten- Yeah, this is what I have at home, too. Hmm. Um, so, it's like a 10. So with this lineup, this is kind of like their middle standard. It's like the flag flagship, I guess. Sure. You would say it's the standard. Like, I, th- I think if you took, like, if Santa Claus was going to deliver strings to every kid in the world and he had to buy the same set of yeah. strings, like, I think this would cover everybody pretty yeah. good it's pretty middle of the road but if you wanted something brighter you have the pro steels if you yeah. want something really mellow you have the chromes you know you just have there's uh, variations they have different different strings for different kinds of players yeah. they deliver industry standard quality up and down the entire string portfolio they're made in the united states do you know where they're made ryan they're made in new york they're made in new york new york city get a rope <laughs> Get get a get, rope. Get some rope. Meaning a string. <laughs> uh, head on over to Dario.com. 
check out their little, they got a little sliding scale so you can pick out yeah. the uh, XL string style that's right for you. Unrelated to them sponsoring our show, they also sponsored the booth that I was working at. Oh, nice. So it's like, yeah. Did, oh, right. Did, did Dario's a, following me there's around. There's a pedal tuner and all your Yeah, they, had, right. they supplied uh, every, uh, every uh, person at the booth with a tuner. Nice. Yeah. Um, this episode's also brought to you by Chase Bliss Audio. Zip. Ooh, I'm wearing a Dark fancy. World shirt. Uh, they dropped the... Oh, my goodness. Um, what's that thing? The Preamp Mark II. Yeah. At NAM. A collaboration with Benson Amps. Yeah, that's right. Uh, the Preamp Mark II kind of follows in the same line of everything that they do, which is to say that... They make, like, the most ambitious pedals ever. <laughs> Pretty ridiculous. Yeah, if you're looking for an effect pedal, let's see, they've got a drive pedal, trem. We do this every time. Flange, phaser. I don't even know all the stuff that it does. Reverb. Like I filmed all these. Things. Joel doing a demo of it, and I just, I still feel like, what did I just see? Like the the big, like the big thing you notice when you're looking at this pedal is that it's got robot sliders on it yeah like a ridiculous well it's like, like a studio board yeah it's it's a little more i want to i don't know if i'd call it a pedal you scroll se. you scroll through presets and the sliders move all by themselves like right. rickety split super smooth super quiet and like go to your previous settings and there's all this different stuff it can do it's ridiculous apparently they're going to come out with a line of pedals in that format that do mm-hmm. various different things which sounds crazy because it's like it already seems like it does everything it's it's wild. Go check out videos of this thing. It's still like not produced. Like the one that they had at Nam was the only one in existence, right. and they finished putting it together the night before. I'm excited to see where this thing goes, though. It's pretty wild. Chase Bliss is like raising the bar as far as what a guitar effect pedal can be. It's ridiculous. I don't. I don't have any other words for it. Also, they're working on that the blooper, right? Which in, is uh, their looper in collaboration with Knobs with the Knobs pedal demos. Um, that thing looks like a bunch of fun. I'm looking forward to seeing if they develop to the point where they can sell it, or if it'll just be, you know, a Knobs video series. Right. I wouldn't mind messing around with one. That's mm. pretty fun. I think there's only two in existence, and they keep tweaking them back and forth. Oh, okay. Sending them through the mail or something. Anyway, uh, head on over to chaseplusaudio.com. Check out their lineup of pedals. And if you find something you want... Including the Dark World. Buy it from them and then tell them that we told you to do it. Yeah. Support us by supporting them. All right. And tell uh, all your friends about wait it. We our last NAM topic. What did you see at NAM that you thought was interesting? Yeah, this is just like general like... Hmm, that's something to think about. Yeah. Um, but the big thing, oh, do you want to lead? Do you have something that you want to cover? I don't want to. Um, I actually led best and worst. So I'll let you lead this one. Okay, okay. Um, I was really taken back. It might have just been because of the booth I was working at and like what I was doing as far as shooting like just massive amounts of demos and actually like seeing who is actually there presenting. But I really felt like. There was an incredible amount of international pedal companies this year. Yeah. Like to an extent that I just can't imagine that I was able to ignore it in previous years. I to to that cuz I know what you're saying and I think what it was is in typically when 
you hear about, especially like from a from a Anglo centric or really an Americentric. I'm not even. Ta- I'm not even talking about UK brands. Right. No. Sure. But what I mean is, I think t- historically, from an American standpoint, when people talk about like, oh yeah, the, these pedals are built overseas, or like you think these, of Japan, you think of Japan, and you think of like Chinese knockoff. No, this is like so. It's like Boss, Ibanez, right? Chinese knockoff. That's all you think about. As far as like international pedal brands, I took go. a couple no- notes. Mm-hmm. Glue glue pedals mm-hmm. from France. Okay, jam pedals. I was gonna say I'd, Van Flett's also from France. I had never seen jam pedals in my life, and like awesome, wonderful art. They on had those pedals. people coming through that booth all day long. It was an exciting looking booth. There were like camera, like every time I walked by that booth, there was like another camera. They're crew. from Greece. Preparing to go in. Well, uh, and they I, weren't the only company from Greece. There was another one. I can't uh, remember. Sikal- I think they're called Sikalis. They, yeah. they did a yeah. they did a video. Did Jam do a video with you? Uh, yeah, okay. they did a couple uh, pedals with me. Um, Game Changer, they've been there a couple of years, but they're mm-hmm. from Latvia. Yeah, uh, Dry Belt is from Croatia. Mm-hmm. Like these are these are countries like I never would have guessed. Like oh, pedal companies are coming out of here. Yeah, but I guess like I guess they can come out of anywhere. Right. Well, I think it's and it's just it's wild that they're coming all the way to Nam to present their stuff, and they're coming with. I mean, look at Game Changer; they're literally game changers. Like every pedal they come out with, they every, had like a huge booth too. They had a fairly large booth. They, they had, had a bunch like of people a with bunch them too. Of, they probably had a I don't know a dozen people with them. And those boys were dressed sharp. I tell you what, they're wearing like the uh, they were the like best, the Men in Black style, like best dressed. At Nam, there I went. I guess not. I say Men in Black style, but I'm thinking like '60s mod. No, they were like, uh, they were like Reservoir Dogs. Sure, yeah, yeah. I, their booth was like half guys dressed like that, and the other half was in lab coats. They weren't the new hotness. They were the old hotness, um, which is hotter than the new hotness. I so in my head, like I, I didn't go in to like try to figure out what was, what they were trying to pitch. I didn't get make it over to the booth, uh, but I know that they are working on some kind of like synth. Yeah, so so the science people were all like the synth side, the suit people were all the uh, were like the plasma, yeah, and the plus. Um, is that what is that? Is that yeah. just called the plus? The plus. Um, so those guys were the suit guys, but I kind of like saw it as those guys are the G men. Right. And then the other ones are like the government scientists. Yeah, yeah. Who like make sure like the G-men are there. Like if any of the government scientists start to leak anything. (laughs) Uh, Paradox Effects, which apparently is a company based out of Tijuana. Oh, dang. I can't even think. Oh, there's Satellite. But I can't think of any other pedal company that's based out of San Diego. But then we've got a pedal company making rad stuff across the border in in TJ. That's cool. And What about Carvin? They're, They're... Carvin's in San Diego. I mean, what's they have left like of them? Three pedals, but they're like more like amp. They're style preamp. pedals. Yeah, they're preamp pedals. I, it was, and this is just like that list just barely scratches the surface. That was just like companies that I thought of on the off the top of my head yeah. when I was making out the notes. There were so many international pedal companies. I really wonder, and so many of them were bringing unique stuff to the table, right? Not just like, oh, here we threw, you know, a two knob. You know, fuzz in a Hammond box. Like, 
getting their own boxes made mm-hmm. and like really unique art, really unique aesthetics, really unique sounds, like crazy experimental yeah. stuff. Like I this got- isn't this isn't like the same as like a Chinese company going like, oh let's make a tube screen. Right? Yeah. Yeah. This is like, oh let's make the craziest gated fuzz that's also like a ring modulator and also like a flanger if you turn it yeah, on. The last like day I was there I finally got over to Thorpey yeah. to try his stuff out. And um because honestly like the pedals he was a fun hang i got the, to hang the, with him at a party the pedals i thought were kind of like like when i've seen pictures of it, i'm like huh that's that's weird whatever i don't get it mm-hmm. in person they look super sharp yeah they yeah. look really good um and they sound they sound freaking fantastic i played every pedal yeah i you definitely get i didn't like i didn't that's like the only qu- booth i didn't feel like i sucked at playing guitar in you definitely get this quality <laughs> vibe when a Thorpey pedals in front of you. Yeah. Like I get, like I, I didn't really get like, like the fandom mm-hmm. before, but now that I've seen it in person and, and heard one in person, like I get it. I get yeah. why people are excited about that brand. Like, especially if they're like local to you, you're in the same country or whatever. You're like, that's our brand. Yep. That's our local boy. You know, uh, anything else interesting? I thought the JHS booth was really interesting. Yeah, that was wild. And, that was uh, a big gamble on their part. Yeah, I went and... Um, I mean, is it a gamble, though? I don't think it's a gamble. I think I actually ba- thought... It, it's a baller move. So let's describe it. It's a super baller move. Basically, JHS, their booth, if you haven't seen it on Instagram already, JHS Pedals, you can see the booth. Um, but basically, they came out with like four new products this year at NAMM. Uh-huh. Uh, like an AB box, like a channel switcher, something like that. A couple and then things they like had that. the compressor and they and had the... They had the whitey tidy compressor and the Clover preamp. And you did both of those, right? I did. And... Uh, I filmed them. I didn't... Do, I, right, yeah, right. You I filmed... Host, they, I hosted You hosted it. them. Yeah. And uh, so I'm in the booth and I, I go over to uh, Zach, who's been kind of our, our contact over there for business-related queries. Zach is great. Um, I said, dude, what's up with your booth this year? Like, it's real bare bones. Like, it's, I kind of like it. Like, it's simple. Yeah. And he said, he said, you know, we are in a meeting and basically, uh, hopefully I get this story right. Um, but basically they, uh, were sitting around like, what should we do for NAM this year? And somebody was like, let's just not make it a public friendly booth. Like we're coming out with two new product or like basically we do two new pedals and some other stuff. Like let's hyper focus on that. Because people already know what we have. Yeah, every other time we've been in NAM and seen their booth, it's like JHS demo stations for their entire product line. Exactly. And they're flooded with like 50, 60 people at a time all trying to try yeah. every single pedal. NAM is, we said this in a previous episode, NAM is for business. Yeah. NAM is for uh, manufacturers to meet with retailers and do mm-hmm. business. There's demos online. The people who are there to just try stuff, they probably really shouldn't even be there. Yeah. And JHS leaned into that hard, and I hope it paid off for them because it, yeah. it, well, it, it was a pleasant booth for me as a demo guy to go over and actually, like, check stuff out and actually, like, like check out the new digs, you know? Right. And I, I see the advantage <laughs> to, to um, you know, putting together the pedal board that's got a bunch of different things because sometimes you're like – well, you know, this is a compressor, but what does this compressor sound like, you know, with this kind of effect in front of it and whatever? And you want to do all those things. But at the same time, like, they had, I think, five or six play sta- like playing stations. 
And people, pre- oh, they had five or six, and each one of those had two guitars yeah. on each one. Yeah. Um, and uh, so they could probably host like 12, 10 to 12 people demoing those two products at a time. But it never felt crowded over there. Right, because because the... they the, were only There was only two pedals to check out. There are only two pedals, so they're on a pedestal. Yeah. It was really simple, and you're like in and out. You don't have that guy that comes in for like 15 minutes because he's got to try every pedal and every combination yeah. and tweak every knob. Yeah. Like it's simple. And yeah. if you have a question, you know, you all, it also means your product specialist can hyper-focus on those two pedals. I thought it was smart. Yeah. It was a, like I said, I think it was a baller move. I think that's yeah. a good description of the move that they made. Good baller. job, JHS. Um, uh, Keeley had a much, 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 much better booth this year. Uh, previously mm-hmm. they've always been kind of like in a back dark corner with yeah, like, they've, like they've kind of fold out like tables super and... couchy. And this year was a little, was definitely a step up. Yeah. By they, couchy. I mean like literally they had like a couple couches in their booth. In yeah. Previous years. This is the year they like rose up to be, you know, on the level with, uh, Chase Bliss and mm-hmm. Walrus and JHS as far as their presentation, which it's, it's I good. mean, for what it's worth, their booth was in between Walrus and right. Chase Bliss. But they, they rose up to the occasion to, yeah. to be that company that they have been. They just haven't been presenting that way. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, I can't think of anything else that really stuck out to me at NAM. I one mean, I, that, I just had a completely different experience this year because of what I was doing. One of the things that's interesting to me is that Strymon is still in the basement. They like their basement yeah. squad. The yeah. basement has drastically changed though, so I'm wondering if they'll stick around down there. Because I mean it makes it real ba- easy to find them. The basement used to be where all the small pedal builders were. Yeah. Barely any of that was down there this year. Barely. All the pedals are they upstairs. Were, they now. were down there. Um I can't their, their Lamp Electric has a is part of a uh trio of companies. They were down there. A few um, of the smaller guitar builders were down uh, there. Schnobel Tone was down there. Yeah. I forget who else. There was like Barefoot a... Barefoot Buttons was down there. Yeah. But because they opened up that new hall, I think more room opened up upstairs. Yeah. yeah. And they've, they're just expanding sure. like the import OEM companies downstairs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, do you want to do housekeeping and then we'll get yeah, out of here? Yeah, we actually have um, a lot of housekeeping to do. Here we go. Let's um, sweep it up. So I will say big shouts to uh, – so our housekeeping is all done through we through Patreon, uh, patreon.com slash 60 hum if you want to support the show. Um, we currently need 35 more people. Here's what, I, here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to do. When we hit 100 – People on Patreon, I will consolidate my list and I will read off the names of every Patreon supporter. Every are you going to Joe Branton it? Podbean, no, because it's going to be a hundred people. Also, I cannot hold my breath for very long. I have small lungs. Steve has small lungs. But anyway, leave him um, alone. Uh, so big thanks this week to uh, at the one dollar level Ben Bryles. Welcome. The five dollar level, uh, Bruce Bacon and Lance Phillip. Nice. And at the ten dollar level, Wes Romaine and Mark Champion. We got a bunch of people. Uh, also, what we need to do for housekeeping this week is um, we have a short run, a very short run. Uh oh. Of fifty fifty overdrives for yeah. sale. 
Uh, if you want one of those, they are. Um, we might have like a dozen or so left after the inner circle picks it off. Yeah, because I think we there's like eighteen of them, and I think we've already as of recording this on Friday, we've already sold four, three, something like that. Yeah. So uh, you're gonna want to get on that probably pretty quick. Um, we'll be posting about pe- it today, Monday. Some people in the group. get daring and they just send us money on PayPal. I do not recommend that. I would send us an email first. I try to handle the emails in order. Well, when we have them, I do a countdown on the Facebook group to say that's true. How that's many true. Are left. So if you just want to shoot us PayPal, it's what um, one hundred and eighty-two dollars for U.S. buyers and two hundred dollars for. Not U.S. buyers. If you're in the inner circle, you get a special price, but you already know about it because PayPal, you're in the group. PayPal allows us to fully refund people okay. if we need to. I don't ever deal with that. Okay. So, Yeah, you'll, you'll be fine. Just send us money. Don't worry yeah, about it. Yeah, 60cyclehomecast at gmail.com. That is the yeah. account to send it to. If you're U.S., it's 183 was it 182? 183? Something like that. It's Whatever. 175 plus shipping. Shipping is yeah. like 7 bucks. Yeah. Um, and then for international, it's $25 shipping. Figure it out yourself. What, what is that? A hundred even? $200. 200. Not a hundred. $200. Jeez. You ready to get out of here? Yeah, let's get out of here. Tell us about the song, This week's song was sent by Joe Hansen. He says, saw on the Facebook page a few days ago, you may have been short on songs, so I figured I'd submit one. This is from August of this year, 2018, when I got another Les Paul. This was recorded with a 2018 Gibson Les Paul Classic with P90s. No EQ or effects on the guitar tracks. You're hearing amp and pedals only. I don't remember exactly what I used, but definitely an EP booster, El Capistan, a Fathom, and an Afterneath. Played through a Mesa Mark V 25 and an orange 2x12 with V30s. Recorded with an SM57 and the interface as a Roland Studio Capture. Bass is an Ibanez Talman. Recorded straight in the interface. Drums are Pearl Master Studios with a mix of K and HHX cymbals with a D6 on kick, 57 on snare, E604s on the toms, and an ML, MXL 603s for overheads, and a Reaper for the for the DAW. Cool. So thank you, Joe Hansen, for sending this in. If you want to submit a song, again, 60cyclehumcast at gmail.com. That's 60cyclehumcast at gmail.com. I think that is everything. Thank you for listening. Bye. See ya.